Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Bucks, presented by BrewHoop.com. Frank Madden and Eric Name joining you. It's Sunday night, and it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Uh, I feel like I feel like this whole Buck season has just been uh, constant, extreme, emotional ups and downs uh yes. i don't know eric i feel like the first few games had people just you know ready to just go nuts and we were Burn you know offering our yeah i mean i i feel like we were you know i don't know i didn't feel that emotional about it but yeah we obviously a, a week a week ago on monday were offering our suggestions on how you could you know write this teetering ship mm-hmm. and uh for three games they did um they you know average about 120 points a game which is pretty crazy yeah. uh for for this bucks team or any bucks team that i can recall recently and um i don't know and then sunday obviously they have a chance to make it four in a row against a banged up mavericks team that hasn't won a game and you know i think sort of showed that this is a young team that is inconsistent and is not yet a you know a good proven team. Uh, they killed the, the Kings who ironically then went out and beat the Raptors on Sunday night, Crazy. Um, which is weird. Uh, Rudy Gay, I know came back for that game, but um, as, as dominant as the Bucks looks on Saturday, especially offensively on Sunday, um, just really couldn't get any of that flow. Couldn't really get playing fast. And obviously there's some reasons for that. I thought, I thought the Mavericks actually, you know, game planned them pretty well. Um, and I think obviously, you know, Giannis <laughs> getting two quick fouls. And um, I thought the second one was just stupid. And, you know, unfortunately, Giannis, there's a reason he led the league in fouls last year. It's because he just doesn't know how to sort of tone down his aggression. Um, but uh, obviously, Giannis leaving um, doesn't help, although they also, you know, ran out to a 22 to 9 lead. So it's tough to blame blame everything on on Giannis being having foul trouble so I don't know what what was kind of your reaction and we'll maybe get into some rotations as well because um for everything that went wrong in this game 27 turnovers 37 percent shooting I mean the Bucks still had a chance to win this game yeah it, it was funny if you follow me on Twitter you would know that I was working during the game so I didn't get to watch it so I was watching it like on DVR later and was, you knew what was going to happen, right? I mean, you yes, were yes, yes, yeah. which, which is like the worst feeling when you know that you're going to have to watch a horrible game <laughs> to know what happened. The best part was me tweeting like, "Oh, about to hop into this Bucks game," and having I don't even know five to ten tweets be like, "Don't get out while you still can, save yourself." Like, which obviously I, I didn't, and I, I persevered and kind of went through it and. It, it, I don't know. It, it was kind of tough. I would have never thought from what I heard and what I saw in my timeline and the responses that I got that I would feel at the end of it that they should have won that game. I, like, I never thought 
I would feel that way just from the tweets from everyone and how terrible the game was. They should have won that game, and they should have won that game multiple times in the fourth quarter. Like when Toledovich hits those two threes back to back, in my mind, again, I knew the result and I knew what happened, but just watching it, that felt like, oh, the momentum is there for the Bucks. They're going to win this one. And shortly after that, they ran a play for Toledovich to hit a three, and he missed that one. And then as the fourth quarter goes on, there's a couple. Giannis gets to the basket one time for that dunk to put them up 74-72 maybe or maybe 72-70, something like that. And, again, you're thinking, oh, they got this. This is fine, and it doesn't work out. And there was other – in overtime, they get a good look for Delhi at a three, wide open, misses it. And there was just so many chances for them to win this that from the overwhelming responses I saw during the game – I would have never thought it was that close. Like I, I knew I was getting an overtime game, and I knew it was close, but I would have thought that it would have been overwhelmingly the Mavericks are just dominating the Bucks, and the Bucks looked completely awful. And there was obviously, I mean, 27 turnovers. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And, yeah, shooting 6 of 29 from 3, pretty bad. But at the same time, they could have won that game, and I might willingly argue, argue that they should have won that game. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, the the um, the Mavericks, because they have a bunch of guys who are good at flopping and drawing, you know, charges and Matthews and, and Bogut. Um, it's almost like they're, you know, tailor made to to try to frustrate a team like like the Bucks. And and obviously, you know, the Bogut charge taken on Giannis in the first possession kind of set the tone in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, Matthews got Bogut later. Uh, they got Jabari, I think, for one or maybe two, um, you know, in the sense that uh, it didn't kind of he never had to get pulled by it um, but he was uh, a zero in the second half basically I mean he scored 14 in the first half uh, had one basket and you know generally just sort of wasn't there in the second half um, but it is interesting I mean uh, it was funny because coming in his game I think the Bucks were top five in offensive rating after these these three straight games yeah uh, they were slightly below average defensively and then after the game they drop down to 16th in offensive rating and, and move up to 13th in defensive rating. So just kind of highlighting again how early in the season we still are and how fluid sort of like the identity of a team can still be. And I, I don't know if, you know, I think we saw some of the same issues from the Bucks defense tonight as far as, you know, they, they are so willing to overcommit on the strong side uh, to bring extra bodies and you know try to force turnovers that uh, they can be easily exploited for open looks on on the weak side and um, it didn't really hurt them tonight as much as it as it can probably uh, because the Mavericks just couldn't shoot and I think the Mavericks just were very willing to let you know Berea and, and even Barnes just sort of chuck mid-range jumpers and you know Barnes made a lot of them I was I was fine with a lot of the shots that that Harrison Barnes was was taking and making to be honest yeah um Although, you know, I think the one that really hurt was Giannis. And th- I think this is really Giannis's biggest weakness as a defender is, you know, we talk about guys having first steps on offense. I think Giannis is a bad first step on defense. He kind of I, I don't know if it's just because he's so long and it's just like harder for him or, or what it is. But Barnes kind of got a quick first step on him. He had Monroe behind him. So, you yeah. know, Monroe 
was not going to be able to really um, erase the mistake. And that and one Barnes on the right wing, you're saying where he caught there, yeah, and got to the middle, went, yep. went left yep. and finished with lefty layup. And I forget if that was an overtime or maybe it was late in the fourth. But um, but those are the kind of plays. You know, if Giannis is going to be, you know, like the all defensive team type guy that that Jason Terry was tipping him for, um, you know, those are the kind of things that that you know. Um, it, you, you have to get better at, but um, that's sort of always been a problem of him. You know, he has the length. He can obviously a lot of times kind of make up for it and catch up. Um, but it was, uh, that, that was, you know, that was an issue. And, and Terry got um, blown by, by Berea oh, um, in the fourth quarter as well. And that's probably, I think if we're going to look at like the rotations tonight and, you know, again, I, you know, no one was complaining about rotations the previous three games because they were scoring like crazy and, um, you know, we went from Jason Kidd being public enemy number one in Bucks Nation last Monday to uh, everything being great and, you know, everything is awesome song being played <laughs> everywhere uh, through last night. And then today, um, you know, my mentions were, were blowing up again with uh, with questions about rotations, you know, and to me, the the big one was just Jason Terry playing. And I didn't realize he played 16 straight minutes in the yep. second half. I thought he just played the whole fourth quarter, and then and then you looked it up, and he actually came in with under four minutes to go in the third. And I mean, that's just—I mean, it's absurd. It's reckless. A thirty-nine-year-old guy. I don't care if Jason Terry is his kid's buddy or that he wants you know to give him minutes against his old team or whatever. I mean, you know, he's zero for six. He had a couple nice passes to set up those Toledovic threes, and you know he's savvy. I mean, if you know if you need somebody to kind of run around screens and things like that on defense, I think. Jet can still do that a little bit, but obviously if he gets into one-on-one situations, it's going to be harder for him. And, um, you know, it was just weird in the fourth quarter. I mean, Giannis had played 17 minutes and, you know, if I'm kid like, okay, maybe you give him a rest to start the fourth, but I mean, he played games last year where Giannis played entire second halves. And, um, you know, I think with the rotations you were having and the problems you were having, um, I mean, he's your best player. Like, you, you should be trying to get him in the game. And instead, Kid sort of like felt like, oh, I'm going to try to steal minutes with this second unit. And you know, Giannis and Jabari. Although I wouldn't have worried about Jabari as much, but Giannis doesn't come back until the four-minute mark of the fourth. And he could have easily he had Snell in the game with Terry and and I think Brogdon or whatever. But he could have easily just pulled Terry, moved, moved Snell to the shooting guard spot, and and put Giannis at, at the three. And you know, I mean, I think you give yourself. I mean, just you know. Realistically, it's 2016. Do you give yourself a better chance to win with Jason Terry or Giannis Adetokounmpo on the court? Yeah. Um, so I, I just didn't understand that at all. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure it'll go down under like, oh, you know, trying to get everybody involved. And Terry didn't play last night. Rashad Vaughn played last night. Well, Rashad Vaughn played well last night. <laughs> Today yeah. he doesn't play at all. And, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I don't think the Bucs lost because Rashad Vaughn didn't play. But um, I think you can easily look at some of those decisions in the fourth quarter and um you know how long he went with some of those reserves uh and I mean, uh, and and wonder if you could have gotten a different result i was gonna say generally i think in the last two years i haven't had major problems with kids rotations i know that's shocking because everyone has problems with his rotations but I think he generally does a pretty good job staggering his stars, at least he did last year with Giannis and Middleton. And the year before, he didn't really have stars, so that one didn't really necessarily matter as much. Um, but he didn't do a bad job staggering Knight, et cetera. Um, so I think he does a pretty good job with that. But if there's ever a complaint about him, it's him riding out a bench unit 
I was going to say just a little bit too long, but no, too long, period. Uh, like, it's not, oh, maybe they went a minute longer than they should have. It's, oh, maybe they shouldn't have finished the game. That that didn't make any sense to have that bench unit finish the game. And I know he did it a lot in 14-15 uh, with some of those bench units. And there was games where that, that bench unit won them the game. And, and again, th- those were veteran-heavy bench units. And uh, it did I, – I guess you can look at the results and say it worked. But I, I've just never been a fan in the NBA of not playing your best players as much as you should play your best players. I, I think every time you go into a game thinking, all right, I'm going to try to get these three to four guys as many minutes as possible because they're our best players and they gave us the best chance to win. And even if someone's super hot or doing great – they don't necessarily maybe you give them two two minutes longer and there are coaches that will and it was just strange tonight that I mentioned it as I was re-watching that after the Toledovich two threes in transition I thought that would have been the perfect time to take out the bench guys bring in the starters and I think they would have had maybe a six point lead there um, five or six point lead and you're giving your starters a little bit of a cushion to get themselves back into the rhythm of things and especially with Giannis with the fouls you might need a little bit of a cushion uh, but then hopefully by the end of the game they're really clicking and then there was a stoppage shortly after Toledovich had missed the three and I thought okay that's the perfect time take him out and it, it just kept going and going and yeah you mentioned Breo on the blow by of Terry and yeah, I, I, it was. They were literally just standing still. Bray shook his shoulders a little bit, and it was a blow by for a layup, and it, it's just not something that that should happen. So yeah, I would say that is a complaint, um, and I don't know if that's necessarily a new complaint. I think he he has done that in the past before. Um, I think one one overwhelmingly positive thing: twenty nine threes. Uh, it, th- this is. We're we're in a strange, strange world at this point, or at least for me. I don't know. I don't know if it feels as drastic to everyone else, but twenty nine threes tonight. So sun twenty nine threes on Sunday, thirty three on Saturday, twenty seven on Thursday, thirty two on Tuesday, and those would all be roughly in the top eight of so that's four of the eight games where the most threes a Jason Kidd Bucks team has ever shot have happened in the last week that is significant and I I think uh, Eric Benning tweeted something out like even if the Bucks start to lose if they are playing with actual pace if they're actually shooting threes if they're actually turning people over like I can live with losses because they're playing a style of basketball that makes some sense and on a night where they only make six of their 29 threes I think one of my concerns was okay they're starting to shoot more threes now and this is great but what happens when they miss those threes does do they stop doing it in the second half do they stop shooting as many threes and tonight again 29 threes only make six I don't necessarily know that I cared. They shot 29 threes. That's awesome. That is, that is a major step forward for me, and this is now four games that they've done it. So four of the seven games, that's more than half. That's exciting. Yeah, I think the that's the interesting test, right? I'm, I didn't really see anybody. I was glad that I didn't see anybody on my timeline complaining about the Bucks being bad at shooting because, you know, again, 
I think one of the recurring themes of our, our podcast has been if you want the Bucks to shoot threes, they're going to have to shoot threes. Correct. Um, or if you so want the Bucks to do X, don't complain when they do X. Yeah, yeah. So I think, and I think the, you know, it's an interesting recipe here. They uh, coming in tonight, they had led the league in in points in the paint, which they did last year as well. But obviously, last year we always point this out. Hey, great, you led the league in points in the paint, and you were a terrible offense. So have fun with that. Um, but this year, the difference was that they were middle of the pack in terms of threes made and attempted. And yeah, to make threes, you have to attempt them. And I think you know, again, as we were seeing the last couple, of, my dog's barking at me, but. Um, you have to try. You have to try to, you know, actually attempt threes to to make them. And I think attempting threes also, you know, opens up the the interior game um, to 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 get some of those paint points. So I think, you know, that's sort of a virtuous cycle. You know, run, shoot threes, and and play in the paint and be aggressive. I think you can do all those. It's not like some some thing. I think you know, with with um, you know, with the couple of years ago, when you know, we we talked a lot about Jabari and Giannis being, you know told to not shoot threes and be aggressive mm-hmm. instead well now as a team i think you can you can balance all those things right and and obviously some guys are built to be more aggressive than others you know guys like tony snell and mirza Delvadova, um you know terry when he's in i mean those guys shouldn't be trying to get to the paint and, and dunk or something like that i mean if they have a little bit of breathing room they should be shooting threes so just keep doing it and obviously guys like Jabari and Giannis, they, they they have the more difficult challenge of knowing when to to quote unquote settle for open threes and, and look for threes versus uh when to to be attacking the rim. But obviously the past few games we we saw um the Bucks have a lot of success in terms of just putting up points in uh in, in finding that balance. Um let's talk about other- I was gonna say, let's talk about Jabari Parker's first five minutes his entire first half. Uh, uh, and again it was funny to see tweets and then watch the game, but it seemed like everyone was like, oh, Jabari came out really hot and then just kind of disappeared. But I thought during the second quarter he was fine too, and it, it was kind of the thing we were seeing. I tweeted it at you, but I was like, hey, Frank, uh, Jabari's shooting pull-up jumpers, and he, he's doing it off the dribble, and he's doing it on catch and shoot, and he's just shooting jumpers. And that that is something that we've wanted, we've requested, and – He's doing it competently, and I I know, it, again it's it's frustrating to hear him say after some of these games. Uh, I think he said it on Thursday that, oh yeah, I did shoot those threes, but this isn't a big part of my game. And everyone in all caps and exclamation points is screaming, why not? Um, but at the same time, he he is stepping into jumpers more confidently, and that seems to open things up for him and again obviously he had like the I think he had four turnovers uh against the Mavs and there was again moments where he was bowling over defenders and picking up charges but if he does try to trust that that jumper a little bit more I think you're going to see lanes open up and and if guys start to see in the scouting report okay he will take this jumper and he will make this jumper then all of a sudden you're respecting that a little bit more but Again, that was – I knew how terrible the game I was about to watch was, but I knew that I had that first half from Jabari to get excited about, it, and I got excited about it. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, really not that involved. Ultimately, finishes 8 of 16, and it's like, oh, hey, shot 50%. That's good. But he takes no free throws, finishes with 16 points, so it ends up, you know, being an, an inefficient scoring night. Um, I think he had a bunch of turnovers, fouls. 
And, you know, obviously Harrison Barnes outplayed both him and Giannis. And that's not a phrase that you ever want to say after playing the Dallas Mavericks. So um, ultimately, I was, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Late in the game, I was I was kind of wondering, you know, do I really want Giannis or, or Jabari in the game over Toledovic? And I think I'm still sort of generally of the opinion of like, eh, who cares, you know, if it's the most optimal lineup. You need Jabari just getting used to being in those situations and and letting him play through those things. But um, there will de- I think it'll be interesting to see. There will definitely be probably games this year where Toledovich is playing well, Jabari is not playing well, and you know there's the decision to play Jabari over Toledovich late in games. And maybe at some point, you know, Jason Kidd will stay with Toledovich in situations where he could go back to Jabari. Obviously, he stuck with Toledovich for a while tonight, played the first eight minutes of the fourth, hit a couple big threes, um, had one or two, I think, questionable shots in there as well. I mean, I, and a three is almost never questionable for Toledovich. Like, I, you Agreed. know, again, you live with, you live and die with his shot selection there. But um, but he had, like, one, I think, it, I don't know if it was in the fourth or when it was, but he had one, I just remember, where he was, like, in the left corner, mm-hmm. the far corner, and was like covered back to basket turns around takes like a, a turnaround contested jumper with like 17 on the shot clock and it was yeah. just like what you know like it's not even a three what are you doing there, but, there um, was he had one and then snell had one and i think it was the start of the fourth quarter where he caught jab stepped and took a three from the left wing like with 18 seconds left on the clock and it was like that's not a great one tony i know you're you're you've been given the green light but Offense is struggling enough, man. Like that's not a great one. Yeah. So, um, well, we didn't we didn't talk much about. Uh, we haven't really. We've been you know kind of dwelling on the negative a little bit here. Uh, but obviously, three games that went very well for the Bucks came before it, including Saturday night. I know a couple of people were asking about uh, podcasting after that game. Um, we only have so many hours in our week, uh, <laughs> so we were gonna do do one tonight, especially given that they have three days off here. Um, any kind of impressions especially from uh, including the saturday game that maybe we haven't touched on obviously uh you know that that's a game where where they were the ones forcing more of the turnovers got got a ton of buckets in transition um got to do a little personal in-game dunk (laughs) uh dunk contest for us with some windmill windmill and some other stuff um and then got to rest everybody in the fourth quarter which you know set them up pretty ideally for tonight so you know, really a kind of a golden opportunity to try to win that fifth game out of seven and uh, continue the good start. But obviously uh, they kind of, you know, reminded us that they have a lot of work to do. But any other thoughts on, on Saturday and what we saw there? I mean, I think it ties in with tonight as well. The the effect Giannis is starting to have on games is staggering. That that night it was it was all Giannis. He, he was bringing the energy offensively. He's bringing the energy defensively. He was getting in passing lanes. He was getting deflections. He was getting steals, and he was getting dunks. And that was it. Was him? That game was him. And in the same way tonight against the Mavs, he struggled early. He struggled to find a flow, and the team as a whole struggled to find a flow. And you can say that's a little bit disheartening that no one else on the team could could pick up the Bucks, and no one else on the team could get the Bucks going tonight. But at the same time. We've asked when, when Giannis's numbers, when Giannis's play would become super duper impactful, and 
I mean, even more impactful because we saw some of that effect, but we still knew that Middleton led the Bucks in on-off last year, and he, he was the guy that seemed to have the greatest impact on the Bucks as a whole, and maybe that was because of the guys that was coming in for him, whatever. But we wanted to see when that would start to translate to Giannis and when Giannis would start to be the guy in games, and he would be controlling things in a game. And, yeah, we saw that on Saturday. That game was his. there was no one else involved. Like I understand other people had good games, other people shot well, but that was Giannis's game. And it's, it's pretty damn cool to see him take this step and kind of become the star that, that we've wanted him to become. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think when we look, we're looking at the stats. You know, they, the Bucks were I think plus fifty five with Giannis on the court, minus thirty one with him off the court through Saturday. Um, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of guys, he was a, a minus twelve on Sunday. Which, you know, when, if the Bucks are minus twelve with Giannis on the court, that that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gonna pretty lose. much never. They're gonna lose. Um, they're they're not gonna win if if he's playing um at a negative margin um but by the same token obviously uh, so far this year uh, they've tended to be very good and the starting group has tended to be very good i think they're still like plus 13 points for 100 or something like that um so that group has done well um but obviously there's uh there's a lot of work to do there's a lot of consistency uh to be gained still and um you know the the you know we've pointed this out 14 of the first 21 games are, are at home so Again, if you think this team or want this team to, you know, be competitive and potentially in the playoff race, this is where they have to be getting some wins. You obviously hope that a young team can can continue to get better as the season goes on. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, that isn't always how it works. And, uh, you know, as much as the Bucks added a few pieces, like it's not like this is a brand new roster or something like that and brand new coaching staff or whatever. I mean, these guys have, have played together. Toledovich has played for kid before. Uh, they don't really have much of an excuse to come out and and you know be 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 bad uh, and and certainly the schedule is in their favor. Uh, they get a few days off to kind of get things right, and they got the Pelicans and the Grizzlies at home Thursday and Saturday. So obviously those are two very winnable games. Obviously Pelicans, it's a team. I mean, there's no must-win games really this in this this early in the season, but obviously that's a team that you you feel like you have to beat at home given how much they've struggled. And the Grizzlies are a team that obviously um, you know given given their sort of decline I think you, you can beat as well after that they go on the road in Atlanta and Miami before coming back to play the Warriors so next four games I mean I think the, you know the goal I think is to try to um, get you know stick around 500 and especially once you start these road trips if you can go uh, onto the road uh, next week um, you know week from from this week uh, Wednesday the 16th you they go to Atlanta and then the next night in in Miami uh, to be at that point where you know if you can at least still have a winning record if you can win the next two that would obviously put you in a good spot um, because certainly as the season goes on the the schedule is going to get more difficult but um, you know I don't know I, I, at this point of the season it, I mean it's hard to be really complaining about where the Bucks are right I mean four and three sixth in the East for whatever that I mean I don't, I'm not even looking at the standings at this point but four and three in the East um, you know whereas think Detroit even Chicago now has come back down to earth Indy obviously hasn't looked great uh, a lot of teams still struggling to kind of figure out their identity figure out how they're going to win basketball games this year and the Bucks you know as as much as they're young and and obviously expectations might be a bit lower with the Middleton injury I think you have to say that through seven games you have to be pretty pleased with where they are yeah and like I said it, 
I'm very fascinated by what changed after game three um, because it, it is kind of it's kind of night and day where, where I mention all the threes, uh, the pace. Uh, it, they just seem like a different team after that. And you hope that that sustains over a season and that can just starts to be their style. Um, but, yeah, I think – if you'd have told me the Bucks were four and three after seven games, I probably would have been happy. I probably would have been a little bit happier if you'd have told me they were four and two after six. Um, but at the same time, they're they're winning some games, three and one at home, um, and I think have taken business, taken care of business for the most part against bad teams. Maybe this was one you would say they should have won uh, with Dirk out, and certainly with the way they played, they they could have won this one uh, down the stretch. Uh, but it it's been. It's been pretty exciting. The last before tonight, uh, before Sunday, those three games last at the start of last week were pretty awesome. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday was a lot of fun and kind of hopefully a, a glimpse of what the Bucks can look like when things go right uh, throughout this season. And granted, those were three teams that I, I mentioned on Sunday are pretty lost right now. Uh, you 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 read some of the things that the beat guys in all those cities wrote after, and you listen to some of their stars. You listen to Anthony Davis. You listen to Paul George. You listen to Boogie Cousins. All three of those dudes are are very frustrated, and those three cities are very frustrated, and those three teams are very frustrated with how their teams are doing right now. Uh, but the Bucks took care of business, and that's that's something I don't think I've felt comfortable saying in a while. That the Bucks again. Didn't do it on Sunday, but the fact that they took care of business against three teams and yeah, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. That's an exciting thing and something that we haven't seen from a Bucks team in a while. Uh, the one thing I think is interesting, I'm kind of having to reconsider a little bit. I mean, people may remember who've been listening for the last few weeks. My general sense was, you know, without Middleton, the way this team played offensively last year, as bad as they were, my view was, you know, to even be, average offensively was a really long putt and that if this team was going to be you know really competitive in the east this year uh which is you know let's say scrape to be a 500 team Mm -hmm. it would have to be they would have to be that defense was probably the more likely route to doing that and watching them actually shoot three pointers i mean it's kind of those things it's like you know i'm kind of wondering like well how much credit do they deserve you know is it really just okay, you're playing modern basketball, congratulations. Yeah. Maybe maybe I underestimated how good they could be just because they were so backwards last year or yeah. something. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's funny looking at the rankings now after that game. You know, again, they're 16th offensively, 13th defensively. Um, you know, that feels like that's maybe kind of an upside best-case scenario for them. If you get to middle of the pack in both offense and defense, yeah. you know, then you're, you're going to be around a 500 team, obviously. So... Um, I don't know. Has has have has what you you know has has the last week and what we've seen has that changed your opinion of the ceiling of this team? I think I'm certainly more optimistic about them being a team. You know, I I think we both were saying probably a low to mid 30s team yeah. upside maybe to be high 30s and yeah certainly the way you watch them now um, I think you know the force of nature that Giannis has become and the fact that guys around him are now shooting and have the green light. Um, I can definitely more easily see this being a team that that you know I certainly feel is more likely to get closer to 500 now than than before. I don't know if I'm, you know, increasing my my one loss prediction to 
40 wins or anything at yeah. that at this point but um but it does seem like this team has a higher ceiling than than i thought it had Giannis was more leapy than i thought he would be this year if leapy is a word um we'll allow it i i wasn't i don't think i was quite ready for him to dominate at this level and i think we've seen seen some games here where he's i mean against the pacers he outplayed paul george against the hornets I think you could certainly argue he outplayed Nicholas Batum that night. Oh, for sure. Like, Batum shot two for nine or something like that. Yeah. Like you're in a spot where he's consistently outplaying guys who I think before the season you would have said those guys are probably better basketball players or at least in Batum's case a very similar basketball player to Giannis at least impact-wise. And to see him outplay those guys and I would say do so pretty handily um that's that's exciting and that gives me a little bit more hope I I know I don't think we ever really truly hashed it out um where you had mentioned you thought uh an above average defense was the way to get there and I think I might have replied to it at some point and said I actually think the opposite like I think the offense would be the way that they would do it just because I think their defense it really more default um if if we're talking about it that by default it would have to be the offense because the defense is just going to be a train wreck no matter what um and yeah the the offense there was there were some moments in the in those three games that we're talking about where the offense looked pretty special uh especially i mean if mears is on that makes any offense look look pretty spe- pretty special but uh there there were times where Everything made sense that the driving and kicking, the points in the paint bounced out nicely with some threes from the outside, and it just looked and seemed to make sense. So um, maybe I'm a little bit higher than, like, I think we uh, 33 to 35 was kind of where I was. Maybe it's 35 to 38, somewhere in there um, at this point. But, yeah, it's hard not to to be encouraged by what we've seen thus far this season. I think for some of some of the doomsday preparations we might've been doing without Middleton, I think we've seen that, okay, if Giannis is going to be this force of nature, this team can, can really truly win some games. Yeah. And especially, you know, if, if you have, uh, you know, Rashad Vaughn playing like uh, a decent rotation guy, rather than, one of the worst players in the league yeah. and you have, you know, Toledovich giving you good minutes as opposed to, you know, last year, J-O-B and others yeah. sort of filling those, those power forward minutes. Um, and not just giving you solid minutes, but in a way that is highly complimentary to, to what a guy like Giannis can do. Mm-hmm. That's obviously hugely valuable. And so right now I think, you, you know, the, the depth is still a little bit weird. I still get nervous with these all bench lineups that we've seen. Um, especially for, you know, what, what I mentioned there, you know, the, there's such a huge disparity between Giannis lineups versus all other lineups um, that it, it'll be interesting to see. Certainly encouraging, you know, that Jabari and, and even Beasley were able to <laughs> carry the, the first unit uh, without Giannis, yeah. uh, as it were, tonight at, with the foul trouble. But obviously that didn't didn't carry on. And, um, you know, interest, interesting that he went to Beasley right away after Toledovich was so good last night. Yeah. And Toledovich, I don't think, came in until like, under two minutes in the first quarter tonight and then just as weird that Beasley plays well and then doesn't play I think at all in the second half so I don't know I mean obviously I'm I'm generally not a a Michael Beasley fan but um 
you know, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, the kind of logic on some of the substitutions were were strange tonight, and you know, uh, rotations are always a thing that every fan base complains about to some extent. Um, yeah. And we didn't hear it really the last three games because you know generally things were going well. But um, tonight, obviously, some questions and whatever. Move on to the next game. We have uh, a few days to think about it, and uh, obviously, the Bucks will hopefully uh, bounce back in a big way against the Pelicans on Thursday. Yeah, I think that's going to be it for this conversation, unless there's anything else you had uh, to add. Um, Hopefully, there was enough positivity from us in this one. I know, (laughs) I think people would have loved to hear us on Saturday night just screaming into our microphones like, did you see Giannis do that? Did you see Jabari? Oh my God, Mirza hit that three from 80 feet away. Like, I think people would have enjoyed that, um, but... At the same time, I think this might have been better that we could still discuss the positive things that happened and then maybe have a a crummy game against Dallas to ground us a little bit. Yeah, take some of the edge off. But, you know, again, overall, I think it's tough to complain too much about where the Bucks are. Uh, certainly room room for improvement from a lot of guys. Um, but uh, we, we have a whole week to uh, – we have a next couple days of not having games to talk about that as well. So we'll leave it there, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more about where the Bucks are, where the Bucks aren't, and get you guys ready for the weekend's games. Thanks again, and take care.